Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is John McCormick. And John, there's a lot of talk about Donald Trump and his new A-team, sorry, D-team, the Democrats, coming on board. It's going to be Team Trump, Nancy Pelosi, and why are you looking at me like that? I, you know, it's just it's it's a little delusional, uh, more than a little delusional. I mean, uh, the Democrats are going to oppose the president at every turn until they take back uh, the House and or the Senate. Well, let's let's hold it right there and start with a concrete specific, which is Judge Neil Gorsuch, the kind of judge who, traditionally speaking, even though Democrats have a different vision for the court, he's got all the bases covered, respectable. He's not a fire breather. You're replacing. This, or filling the seat left behind by the passing of Judge Scalia, you'd think 10, 15, 20 Democrats would vote for the guy, right? I'm guessing the number is going to be slightly smaller than that. Well, you'd think so. I mean, the question is right now whether or not they're going to let him just squeak by with 60 votes and avoid some confrontation where Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans will have to blow up uh, the filibuster, the filibuster which has never been used before to uh, to uh, block a qualified Supreme Court nominee. So um, that's what we're really on the edge of our seats to see if that's going to happen because the stakes are just so high. Even if we think this is going to be a, a done deal, I think people are still waiting to see if uh, how this is going to shake out. So forget... 65, 70 votes for Gorsuch to be a judge. We're at the, the Democrats may force the Republicans to blow up the filibuster because they're so unwilling to support Trump's nominee. So how do we get from there to Democrats are going to work with Donald Trump? What I hear is if he does something that they really want, maybe on Obamacare, if he gets rid of the uh, Cadillac tax, you know, on the high-end union Many union members have these high-end programs. If they would back that infrastructure bill, if he wants to throw a trillion dollars at blue-collar workers to you know work on roads and bridges, they'll work with him on that. Do you think that's that analysis lines up with the facts? No, I don't <laughs> think they're going to help. Uh, you know the the. the the partisan polarization in both parties, you know, we saw with the Tea Parties going on mm-hmm. among Democrats. They don't want the Democrats to work with President Trump on anything. And furthermore, the, the talk right now is sort of working together and pairing tax reform, which will be cast by Democrats as a huge tax cut for the rich. It mm-hmm. really wouldn't quite be like that, depending on how it's formulated and what actually right. comes out, with a huge, massive, you know, trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. I mean, that's the politics of subtraction, not the politics of addition. You're not going to get conservative Republicans to support that trillion-dollar infrastructure bill, and you're not going to get Democrats to support that tax cut. And putting the two together <laughs> does not add <laughs> votes. It was an odd situation with the Obamacare repeal bill where... You could see the moderates leaving even as the Freedom Caucus members refused to join. It's like uh, you don't turn down the less than optimal job at the burger joint until you've got the premium job already lined up. But for some reason, Trump was... Or, or the Republicans, I say, were killing yes votes without converting no votes. Yeah, I mean, they were they were just caught between in in this middle ground where they shouldn't mm-hmm. have been. You know, I mean, the most dangerous place is you know not in the left or right, but right in the middle. Uh, it, it, I think, yeah, it was foolish. I think they I should have realized from the beginning they were probably going to lose a fair number of moderates and needed ultimately to cut a deal uh, right. with the Freedom Caucus. The big problem was, and this is down the rabbit hole in the policy weeds, is whether or not they could have done what the Freedom Caucus wanted to do, which was repeal the regulatory. Stru- 
structure of Obamacare, the core structure of Obamacare, saying mm-hmm. that anybody with pre-existing conditions, we're going to charge you the exact same rate, no matter how sick you are, no matter if you chose of your own free will not to have insurance until you ended up with a multi-million dollar uh, disease that'll cost right. millions of dollars to treat, um, and and that we must issue everybody. So, I mean, there's this whole debate about whether or not that can get past the Senate parliamentarian. So you ended up with what Yuval Levin called the sort of twisted funhouse version mirror uh, version right. of Republican health care reform, where it, it kept this core structure of Obamacare while converting the Obamacare tax credits to a more Republican, a flatter tax credit right. uh, based on age. And that didn't, seem, that didn't seem to work. You know, I mean, you ended mm-hmm. up in a situation where you're going to, relative to Obamacare, increase the premium payments of a 64-year-old making $26,000 a year by $14,000 a year. And uh, that's a recipe for disaster with the working class and the elderly and a lot of people. So Democrats watched that fiasco occur. They watched President Trump's inability to pull Freedom Caucus members on board. Why in the world would they join, jump on that ship now? Why not stand on the shore and watch it continue to sink and uh, and see what happens in 2018. I think that's exactly what they'll do. I mean, if they want to work with President Trump, I can. You can very easily see the the Stephen Bannon, Stephen Miller, uh, White House era, you know, the populist nationalist advisors, right. uh, make way for the Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner era. <laughs> it might be happening right now. I mean, there there's a tug and a pull uh, each ways uh, in the White House right now. I think that you know that'll be very easy for Trump. I mean, Trump said that single payer was great in the 2015 debates, not just in his books back in right. the 90s, he said single payer works very well in Scotland. It works very well um, in Canada. I think he'd be happy to cut some very liberal deal with Democrats if they get in charge. I just don't think Democrats will cut a deal with him because he's no longer a political figure. He's not a president in the traditional sense. He is a cultural figure, a representative of evil. I mean, and I'm not being facetious. When you talk to you know, activists, grassroots progressives, they see the names Hitler and Trump in the same circle. They're right there. They're right. Maybe he's not all the way at the end of the cul-de-sac, but he's in the same neighborhood. And so what kind of Democrat is going to anger your base by doing anything with Hitler? That's true. You know, I mean, if, if we called single-payer health care Trump care, I'm right. sure that you'd get a whole lot of Republicans who thought it was great all of a sudden, <laughs> and a whole lot of Democrats who said, right. no way we can vote for that. So mm-hmm. the way that partisanship does really affect people's use of policy, uh, it's, it's pretty disturbing and it's pretty strong. So the last question for you, it is possible that there could be a wave election in 2018 inspired by the progressive grassroots the same way that the Tea Party inspired the wave in 2010. And we don't see it coming. And all of a sudden there's 60 new Democrats and the House is in the hands of the Democrats. What does Speaker Pelosi do then? See what I'm saying? If you can't work with Trump because working with Trump is working with evil. It's not just someone you disagree with. It's not just someone whose policies think you're but you can't go back home to your voters <laughs> and say you were ever the picture. This is what I'm trying to imagine in my mind. A signing ceremony with Donald Trump at the desk and Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer standing by, I have no image of that, no matter what the bill is. Well, if it were something purely liberal, where it was something like paid family leave. You think even you think I, they I, would? I do. I mean, if it's a purely, if, if there's no conservative element to it whatsoever, right. and it's just a straight up, like, this is literally the bill that Democrats endorsed, uh, right. brought, uh, brought, uh, submitted uh, before Trump was even in, <laughs> in a Republican, I think then there's a possibility that something like that gets through. Um, I'm sure there's going to be standoffs over spending bills and such. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I mean, Trump was a Democrat for much of his sure. life. He was a Republican. He's a, he doesn't know what he believes. He just wants to be popular. The, He's not on, even a populist. He's a popularist. On 
on the policies, I agree with you. On the politics, mm-hmm. as far as normal politics would go, I would agree with you. But I'm just saying Trump has entered a new arena in the minds of the left. And I, I would not want to be a Democrat having to explain in a primary why the photo of me with Donald Trump you know, doesn't show the, all the truth and my progressive opponent who's backed by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is wrong about me and I was just trying to govern, it is a lot easier to just scream Trump is Hitler all day long than it is to explain policy. I think that's certainly true for 2018. I guess the question is whether or not he, if he can be seen to have been defeated in the in the midterms and then they can feel a little more comfortable ah, okay. uh, meeting halfway. So it would be down to like Mussolini. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that's something to work towards. John McCormick, thanks so much for joining us on the Weekly Standard Podcast. Thank you.